0: Tom and Warren on Joy. Last week, the Australian Bureau of Statistics released its cause of death report, (laughs) highlighting that Australians are taking their lives at an unacceptable rate. In fact, the number of Australians dying by suicide is higher than ever before. That's shocking. That's really bad. Joining us on the line is the CEO of national mental health charity SANE Australia, Jack Heath. Good morning. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Warren. Jack, understandably, suicide is quite a sensitive topic. How important is it... that we put the spotlight on the number of Australians impacted?
1: Well, I think it's absolutely, you know, critical. I mean, we're talking about last year there being over 3,000 people, in fact, 3,128. And, you know, each one of those lives matters deeply. And, of course, it's it's life loss that's going to impact many families, friends and colleagues as well. So I think that that's absolutely critical that we look at it. Um, I, I think the thing is that what we've seen is we're seeing increases in terms of the numbers. We're now heading up towards almost nine people dying from suicide a day.
0: Wow a day. Look Jack, what do you think the main factors are that are contributing to this increase?
1: Well I think I think one of the things that's important to note and, and you know it's always difficult just you know talking about statistics and things because they can sound sort of very cold in the face of you know what sort of tragedies are so many people. The numbers have gone up last year on the year before, and they are, as you correctly say, the highest number we've ever. more people have lost to suicide than ever before. When we look at the rates, yes, the rate year on year increased by about 9%, but the year prior to that, it had dropped by 10%. So what's happened is that over the last, say, 10 years, the rates have been sort of steadily um, increasing, not at a huge rate, but, but, but at a concerning rate. And then last year when we got the results, you know, most of us working in suicide prevention were sort of a sense of, oh, thank God, they're coming down a little bit. But to see them go back up to where they were essentially so that that growth is continuing in terms of the rate of suicide was particularly um, disturbing for, you know, for many of us who are sort of working in the area or for obviously someone who's lost a friend, family member to suicide.
0: Jack, are the rates significantly higher for LGBTI identifying Australians?
1: Yeah, look, we don't, we don't have good data on that. Um, I think this is an area where we need to, um, uh, do a lot more because one of the things that, um, happened in these last, uh, results from last week is that they, um, started indicating the extent to which, you know, people might have a comorbid condition. They might be another mental illness or there might be, um, um, you know, association with drug and alcohol issues. So I, I I don't see why we couldn't look to add, in terms of LGBTI or categories thereof, to this. I mean, always, you know, with these things, it's, it's, you know, we can have higher risk, but you don't want to, you know... One of the issues for me is that you don't want to say, OK, yes, there is a higher risk, and then because of the numbers and the concern is that people automatically think, oh, OK, if you're identifying as gay you know, is this person going to be suicidal? Yeah. Mm. So it, it's it's about trying to find the right balance. And also too, because we know from the work that Thane's doing is that when it comes to complex mental illness, we know the suicide rates are significantly higher, 10, 20, 30, 40 times as the general population. Now, you know, we've come a, a bit of a way in terms of being able to get from, you know, where we were 20, 20 30 years ago, or whatever where people saw, being gay uh, as a mental illness itself. So, so you don't want to conflate the two. But I think it's very helpful in the same way that we will look at suicide rates for Indigenous people and pull those out. I think we should be doing it in terms of the LGBTI community. Definitely.
0: Look, there's still um, a huge in- stigma associated with mental illness, as you were discussing. Is this preventing yep. people seeking help or treatment?
1: Yeah, it, it, it does. One of the things is that I think that over the last particularly 10 years, across the community, we've done a really good job in terms of, if you like, normalising or sort of making it okay for people to say that they've you know had depression or anxiety and beyond blue has been doing great work in the area and they've been tracking those attitudes to those conditions we don't see the same sort of developments happening with people who are living with say schizophrenia borderline personality disorder those sorts of conditions where we know the suicide rate is significantly higher one of the things that Actually, working on is that next year we're going to be doing a national survey, looking at people living with these complex mental health conditions, and we're talking about seven hundred thousand people across Australia. Wow. And we want to start asking questions about what is their experience of stigma and discrimination. So, at one level, you can have community attitudes that are not very helpful, but if you as an individual have a workplace where you're respected, where these are not issues to your employer, it's more for us about this issue of if you're living with these conditions, what is your actual experience of stigma and discrimination? And so we'll be doing a national survey that will give us a baseline so that if we come back and and do it every two years, we can see whether or not we're improving You know, uh, stigma and discrimination for people who are Living with these complex conditions,
0: Jack. The Australian government's also invested in suicide prevention programs. Uh, do you think these are effective, and will they work?
1: Well, look, this is this is this is a really tricky one because you know we have seen substantial investments, but we've continued to see the suicide rate sort of you know nudge up over the last few years. Now we don't know whether or not. In the absence of those programs, the rates might have been higher than they are now. So it's always a difficult one to know. I think the thing is that when we look back historically, the time when we had very, very high rates of suicide was around 1997. Mm -hmm. And it was mainly young men in the sort of 15 to 30 age group. And at that time, we did have a number of sort of major investments. There was a youth suicide prevention strategy that was implemented. And we saw the rate for mainly young men drop by about 50%. Now, following that, they tended to be fairly consistent for a number of years. And then, as I say, just over the last 10 years, they've started ticking up again. I think one of the things is that you know we have had some recent significant investments, but some of those programs are still in the process of being implemented. So our colleagues at Black Dog are doing uh, work around the Lifespan Project, which is a comprehensive suicide prevention model it's being deployed in a number of um, areas around Australia beyond blue recently was awarded funding to do additional work with people who've been discharged from hospital after a suicide attempt because we know that that's an area of great need there has been additional funding for lifeline and they're getting you know significant numbers obviously of people who are suicidal contacting them on a daily basis and then with SANE Australia, we're looking at trialling a program where we have people who've attempted suicide themselves communicate a message to someone who might be feeling suicidal that the world's better off with them. And so that's something we'll be uh, starting work on and running out uh, over the course of next year.
0: Sounds like a good idea. I mean, that's if people want to talk to someone that's also lived the same experience rather than someone just telling you how you should feel.
1: So, well, what? Yeah, if- see, well, what yeah, one of the things that just happens here often though is that you sometimes see a suicide from someone who you know had lots of love and support around them, might have even had, you know, good mental health support. What happens sometimes, and this is not all people who feel suicidal, but for a significant proportion, they form the view that, you know what, I'm I'm a real burden on everyone around here. As they mm. sort of get into a bit of malaise themselves. They think, Yeah, yeah, I know, you know, I know my friend, he's there and he, he cares for me, he loves me, and yeah, mum and dad. And all that but sometimes they form this view that the world you know they're too much of a burden mm. and the world, world would be better off without them mm. and so you know they're trying to make the world a better place and this often explains not always but often explains the situation where sometimes we look at these you know people that have died by suicide and if we go it just doesn't make sense it wasn't as if you know it was someone that didn't have any friends and colleagues and so what we're looking to do is to see, and you know, it will be a trial, is to see whether or not that sort of communication strategy is effective in terms of people who are feeling suicidal.
0: Jack, if we think someone could be at risk, what's the best thing we can do?
1: Well, uh, look, the thing is to have a conversation with them. A, a lot of people in the past have been of the view that, um, you know, to ask if someone's feeling suicidal or not, was not a good thing to do. That's not the case. I think it's really important there to sort of um, let them know that you're concerned, ask are there ways that you can help and as I say, absolutely fine to ask if they're thinking about suicide if they've made any plans. I think it's also important that you you try and listen to what's happening for them but don't try and fix the problem. often there's a tendency to sort of to to rush in encourage them to get help. Um, you know obviously for crisis issues you know lifelines there on 13, 11 14. and also though if they have made a plan it's all it's always important that you never, you never agree or don't sort of say, Oh, look, I'm not going to mention it to anyone because often that right. will be the case because someone's trying to do that. So, and, and if you're concerned about a loved one, you can always, you know, obviously ring Lifeline as a first point of call, um, as well. But the thing is to have the conversation to express your concern. And the fact is, you know, when we talk about the number of people dying from suicide at, you know, three thousand, over 3000, there's about another 97,000 Australians who will attempt suicide. Over the course of the year, ninety-seven. So, yes. so, 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 we've got about a hundred thousand Australians, you know, attempting yeah. suicide, and and that will tend to skew down with younger people. That those attempt rates are much higher than for for adults. So, the thing is that the overwhelming majority of people that even attempt suicide will survive the experience. But one thing, if I could just sort of add in terms of the LGBTI community, and I say this as the as a you know proud father of an eighteen-year-old gay son. We do know that some of the work that's being done by the National LGBT Health Alliance, there was some work that was done a couple of years ago. Those numbers suggested that around up to 50% of transgender people had attempted suicide at least once and that LGBT Australians, their suicide attempt rates were 14 times higher than the general population. Yeah, Look, I, I, I take some solace from the, um, the marriage equality achievements and I do that on the basis that we know from the United States that they surveyed um, a large number of states across America and what they found was that, that those states that had instituted marriage equality, uh, they saw, and this is in terms of young people, yep. they saw a 14% decline in the number of suicide attempts.
0: Wow. And that's big. That's so, not
1: just a little number. That's a, that's a very big number, yeah. and and for all the, you know, for all the um, disgust of things that were associated with with the plebiscite, I think that over time, that if if those results translate to Australia, and I don't know why they wouldn't, there should be an improvement. Now, that's not going to take away from you know a friend or, you know, family member that you've lost to suicide, but I think overall that's really positive. And the other big thing about it was the great thing was that some of the people that were most opposed to marriage equality had such resounding votes in favour of marriage equality in their electorates. And so as difficult and problematic as the plebiscite was, in some ways it served to silence some of those people who were most opposed to it. But you know, that's a, that's a personal view on that situation.
0: Jack, yeah. thanks so much for your time this morning and also for discussing such a sensitive topic. And if anyone's looking for information, support and guidance from mental health professionals, you can contact SANE Help Centre on 1800 187 263 or helpline at sane.org.au from 10am to 10pm. And if this discussion has raised any issues, you can also contact Lifeline on one or head to beyondblue.org. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Tom, and thanks, Warren. Thank you. And be nice to everybody out there. Let's all be nice today. Even I'm going to be nice. I love you, Andy.
1: Wake up with Tom and Warren, Thursdays for breakfast on Joy. Tune in to 94.9 in Melbourne, stream live at joy.org.au or download the Joy app, available via podcast at joy.org.au, on iTunes or your favourite podcasting platform,